0: Welcome to IPR Radio. I'm Shanjay Mukherjee. Today we speak to Jonathan Radcliffe of FACS Limited on safe food, global reach, independent accreditation for domestic branding and export preparedness. FACS, in addition to providing a nutritional service, specializes in the implementation of HSECP-based food safety programs from farm through to further processing. Jonathan Radcliffe has been instrumental in helping a number of Thai integrated companies set up and become approved for exports to Europe. He is a recognized authority on food safety and feed mill processing, with an extensive client base in Europe, Southeast Asia and South America. He also consults for Tesco, UK's largest supermarket chain, on animal feed and animal feed mill and supply chain auditing. After the break.
1: In the orchestra of life, each creature plays a part. At Sapience, we see the web of life, where the health of animals reverberates through ecosystems and societies. With innovative technologies, we're redefining the future of agribusiness, sustainably enhancing productivity and profitability. We don't just dream of a better future. We make it. Food safety, quality, and security. These aren't just words. They're our mission. We're sapients. And we're committed to healthier animals because we believe in healthier living. Be a part of our melody. And together, let's compose a better world. For more information about our products and solutions, log into sapienceagri.com.
2: Good morning, John, and welcome to IPR Radio. Good morning. and. Uh... Thank you for inviting me to join you today. Thank you for your time. So in an increasingly
0: interconnected world where food supply chains and consumers demand transparency and trust, it's becoming essential for food producers and exporters (laughs) to establish (laughs) robust systems that guarantee the safety and uh, integrity of their products. It is here that independent accreditation plays a crucial role, providing a seal of approval that assures consumers and trading uh, partners that the food that they consume or import meets the highest standards of quality. You have been providing accreditation services to a number of companies in Thailand and helping them export their produce. Today, we would like to know a little bit more about this and how the independent accreditation process could help Indian poultry uh, producers. So the first question to you, John, is that could you tell us a little bit about uh, food safety and accreditation and why it's uh, important, particularly in the current
2: scenario? Certainly. So. I think a good starting point is to say that regardless of the size and the income levels of a population, particularly uh, a country like India, there should be a basic right to food security, supply and food safety. Food quality is more of a subjective uh, topic and driven by income demand more than basic needs. But food safety should be non-negotiable. So how do we ensure that what we are eating is safe? Well, despite government legislation, experience across the world would indicate that it's nigh on impossible for regulations alone to provide a level of assurance that delivers 100% on food safety. Think back to Europe in the 1990s, when there were crises about mad cow disease, uh, salmonella in eggs, PCB dioxins, for example, and even after the introduction of very tough EU legislation to try to tackle the issue of food safety, other issues did occur since that time. A good example would be the horse meat scandal uh, not so many years ago. So that's why assurance, certified assurance schemes evolved in order to provide consumers with a level of confidence um, that was independent of regulatory uh, authorities and in the uk the larger food retailers were the ones that were responsible for driving food standards uh, not just in terms of food safety but in other areas of consumer concern for example animal welfare and the use of antibiotics so having established these assurance programs they then needed to be independently audited by an accreditation body and that issues the certificates. And, and that's really where I got involved in this uh, in this food safety process.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, why do you get involved first in the food safety and certification scheme in Thailand? I mean, why Thailand is a market? And why do you think India is in need of such food safety and certification today. So, are there parallels in the market? Are there
2: similar scenarios? So, why? Well, going back, uh, well, forty plus years now, when I was working in the animal feed industry uh, in the early '90s, I real in the UK, I realized that very few people outside of the industry itself really understood about what animals were being fed and how it impacted the food chain. So I decided to focus my energy on understanding more about food safety um, and integrity from farm basically to fork and use that knowledge to help companies and retailers improve standards globally. So Mm -hmm. one of the first countries I visited in early 2000 was Thailand. At that time, Thailand was a major exporter of raw poultry meat to Europe but only one company was successful really in supplying to the retail sector. I was approached by a number of companies to help them set up a supply chain that would meet the stringent export requirements of the UK retailers. Um, And that process required standards to be applied from the breeding operation through to further processing, including hatcheries and feed mills, for example. And that's essentially uh, what I did in the first two or three years that I was in Thailand, um, but not just for raw meat, but because um, avian influenza had now arrived uh, in Thailand and almost overnight, export of raw meat was banned to Europe. So the shift rapidly changed to processed cooked uh, products. So once I would successfully Sort of help those companies comply with the export requirements. I decided the next step was to set up a certification scheme to verify the requirements of the assurance that they were applying through their supply chain. Um, I work with a company called LRQA, who are one of the UK's major accredited certification bodies specializing in food safety. Um, Now, to answer the second point from recent visits to India, it is clear to me that the poultry, meat and egg sectors are looking to increase their potential for export. And in order to do that, they will need to better understand the food safety requirements of the destination countries, but also to consider having a certified assurance scheme that they can issue to their customers to verify they are doing what they say they are doing. So that's why I believe the time is right for this to be a consideration for a number of companies within India
0: we'll be back after a short commercial break
3: that is a wake up call against the growing shadow of antibiotic resistance over our poultry, our health and our world, to fight this menace, Excelsio a natural antibiotic free performance enhancer marshals an army of bacteria bacteriophages, each engineered by evolution to engage a specific bacterial adversary. Excelsio uses a cocktail of bacteriophages that protects your flock against various strains of Salmonella, E. coli, Clostridium, Perfringens, and Staphylococcus aureus. Excelsio is more than a product. It's our shield against antimicrobial resistance. It's our stand for a safer, healthier future. For more information about our products and solutions, log into sapiensagri.com.
0: So how would India kind of need to differentiate between uh, poultry or uh, eggs for exports
2: and uh, produce for the domestic market? So what's the differentiation? Yeah, good question. So I mentioned earlier that food safety is, is a mandatory requirement, but food quality is, is, is optional in a way. So for the export markets, the focus is very much on understanding the regulatory requirements of each importing country and ensuring those requirements are complied with continuously. So these will no doubt include requirements for such things as testing for antibiotic residues, um, pesticide residues, and microbial status plus of course, um, requirements for gate-to-gate traceability. For the domestic market, each company really has a blank canvas on which they can design the message that they want to convey in terms of either food safety or food quality. So it's somewhat different to to the export requirement because you are going to set, that company can set the standard that they want to achieve and the message they want to convey to the consumer. And the points of differentiation may be, for example, removal of antibiotics, um, Mm -hmm. chill chain management, or or maybe traceability for local farm supply. So there is a difference between the export and the domestic uh, markets. Right, right. Uh, What is the
0: process that companies need to go through for considering certification? Is the certification process different for uh, the domestic
2: market vis-a-vis the export market? So typically there are two types of certification Mm -hmm. referred to as third party and second party. Third party certification schemes are usually internationally accredited and the compliance criteria are already established. Uh, The scheme we use in Thailand, for example, is known as farm first uh, and has actually three different levels or standards, silver, gold and platinum. So depending on the export demands, they can decide whether they go for the basic version, which is silver or the the more demanding gold and platinum standard. And for the Uh UK and European market, it's very much gold and platinum that is required. Right. Second-party certification schemes are bespoke company-specific and therefore more, more flexible in terms of scope. They tend to be used more for domestic market certifications okay. or individual companies like uh, like food, um, uh, food retail, for example. Okay. Um, the process steps are similar for both. So first step typically is understand the scope of the certification and then implement the requirements accordingly depending on the scope second step undertake a pre-audit gap check so you can okay. understand where the areas of compliance mm-hmm. are, are different and what you need to do to comply and obviously train the staff accordingly
0: mm-hmm.
2: third you would then apply for that certification scheme and then the fourth step would be they would start the audit process and if you were generating non-conformances, they get closed out Uh, and then the fifth step would be that you would then receive the certificates for the individual steps in that chain so the farms or the hatcheries or the processing plant depending which area is covered by that scheme Um, and then finally once the chain is completed you will then have an overall um, certification that you can use to apply as a logo on your Branding, on your products on your um, label that goes into the uh, uh, on the on the packaging or any other point of sale information so that that would typically be the uh, the, the process that um, these companies follow right right
0: so John where do you see India in terms of the of global export of poultry meat and eggs in say the next five years
2: I believe India is in a very strong position in terms of export potential. And the reason I say this is the production volume is already in place, but it is also expandable for both eggs and poultry meat. Um, India has good trading relationships and proximity with both East and West and also Middle East, and therefore gaining further access to those markets should be possible. It will, however, require strong government support um, because they will also need to establish a network of residue and microbial testing capabilities with accredited laboratories. Um, Based on the Thailand experience, I would say it's more effective for individual export companies to work together rather than in isolation with the backing of the government authority. Finally, as the market in India will be predominantly raw meat to start uh, in terms of the the, the chicken meat, uh, the disease status of individual regions will need to be considered and monitored as well. Yes. That may require compartmentalization or zoning requirements for pathogenic AI, for example. So right. those are steps uh, and processes that need to be worked through. But in conclusion, no, I think India... Uh, could and should become a major global exporter of, of meat and uh, and egg products.
0: Great. I think we all look forward to that happening. And uh, what trends would you predict for the urban market, the urban domestic market for poultry meat in India in the next
2: five years? The urban market. So although small as a percent, The numbers in the Indian middle class sector are still significant. So Mm -hmm. I predict strong growth in this sector in the next five years. Typically, I would expect to see domestic branding and differentiation starting to emerge based on what are the perceived priorities of that higher income sector. Mm -hmm. Um, Indian poultry meat, I know, is very strongly associated on a fresh, fresh market basis. Absolutely. Attributes that underscore and support that could become a trend. For example, I already mentioned, removal of antibiotics um, Mm -hmm. and or traceability and sustainability uh, to local production, for example. Um, At the same time, I predict growth in further processed market because the demand for convenient foods and more sophisticated ready to cook markets I believe will also increase as that uh, urban middle class um, develops and uh, adopts similar styles of eating to what we have seen, in, certainly in Europe uh, and the West, uh, and also increasingly so, for example, in the Thailand market. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think both of these markets uh, show very strong potential for India.
0: Good to know, and we all, I think uh, this market is going to really explode in the next few years. And uh, we can see that those trends are already happening. And as I said, I just correctly said that, you know, the urban market and um, the urban population is slowly adapting to or adopting the convenience foods. That's a very, very uh, strong adoption that's happening. And we can see it happening all around. It's been wonderful speaking to you today, John, and thank you for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to more interactions in the future.
2: Sanjoy, it's been a pleasure. I, I hope uh, the message is clear and uh, of interest to sure. your audience. And uh, for sure, if you'd like to uh, me to come back at any time and expand on any of these points, I'd be happy to do so. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to
0: IPR Radio. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode, Our podcasts are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're also available at www.iprradio.in.